Welcome, everyone, to the Change Starts Your Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Odom. And on this week's episode, we welcome a good friend of mine, Daniel De Los Reyes, who is the principal of Charles Darwin Elementary School in Chicago Public Schools. Um, I've known him since he was a fifth grade teacher. Uh, when I walked into his classroom, I guess probably nine years ago, maybe 10 years ago now, um, uh, with his fifth graders, I was blown away by what I saw. And it wasn't just the, you know, his level of teaching, it was the level of engagement of his students was unlike almost any classroom I've ever been in because it wasn't about just being engaged to the subject. It was about fifth graders thinking about life bigger than themselves, thinking about their community in a way that had them transformed into the problem solvers of their community challenges. And so uh, Danny, who's again now the principal, but at the time we dive into what made him an effective teacher. We talk about the balance of uh, genuine love for students and creating that safe space and fun space with high expectations and how that can lead to increased performance. We talk about um, the challenge of a journey of a school that was one of the lower performing schools in all of Chicago public schools to now one of the top performing schools in all Chicago public schools, um, how they got there, the, the challenge of getting there, the challenge of sustaining that kind of momentum. Uh, we dive into Danny's history. Danny's the, the son of two immigrants from Mexico and how that shaped his life. We talk about how shooting outside of his house um, changed the, the future of his career and what he wanted to do with his life. Um, if you're someone listening to this who just wants to learn from someone with a different perspective, wants to learn from a, a, a truly humble leader, uh, this is a great conversation for you to listen to. Um, Danny is first and foremost about everyone else before he's about himself. And so um, I keep calling him Danny, it sounds younger. Uh, some people call him Daniel. I learned today, I've known him for a decade. Uh, I learned today that, you know, he had a student call him Delos because his, you know, his name's Daniel Delos Reyes, where now I think a lot of Chicago public school principals are actually calling him Delos. So uh, I actually really love that, um, but I've called him Danny for so long, I can't break it, even though Delos is so cool to me. Um, this, this man, I, I would sign up to listen to it any day. Like I said, 10 years ago, I still remember the moment I walked in this classroom and it wasn't about him, it was about the culture he created. Uh, he's someone that uh, you can learn from by them just listening to you uh, and them asking you questions. And so uh, he's just an inspiring person. This is a great conversation, it's such an honor to have him. And uh, like I said, wherever you are, you know, if you're listening from an educator's perspective of trying to understand how to get better from a classroom leader to a school leader to thinking about building uh, district leadership, this is a great conversation. If you're just someone who's interested in learning about just people in general, this is a great conversation. So please join us, stick with us. If you haven't hit subscribe already, please subscribe to us and however you're listening to us. We cannot thank you enough for your support um, without you we would not obviously have this podcast and it's a, a real fun and joy and pleasure for us to have and talk to all these amazing people. So thank you for your support. Again, enjoy this conversation. Danny, Daniel, Delos, whatever you want to call them is an amazing person. And it's a lot of fun to listen to. We've got lots of things to cover today. I'm, uh, and it's a huge honor for uh, you to, for us to have you here on the podcast. I've known you for almost a decade and, um, fell in love with you as a person, but also your leadership style when I got a chance to first walk into your classroom probably eight years ago is probably now. Um, and so thanks for making time. I know your life's really hectic and busy as a principal in Chicago Public Schools right now. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me out. Uh, I, you know, I appreciate the, the Leader Me community always supporting uh, and providing great energy. 
Yeah, man. Well, let's start with uh, the question we ask everybody at the beginning of a podcast, which is, who are you and what do you love about what you do? Yes. Um, well, I'm, I'm the son of two immigrant parents from Mexico uh, who came to be more, uh, do more, become more. Uh, and that's something that is, is, is a sort of fixture that, that continues to, to burn strong in me. I'm the father of three who all came into this world with different paths, different journeys, different gifts, different talents um, that have provided me with a different perspective. Each one is unique. And, and I know many parents say that, but man, uh, they really have provided me with, um, with different perspective. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm the husband of my high school sweetheart. And we had two different lived experiences growing up and maybe that was the bond, you know, the, the sort of perspectives gained and being in one's life. Uh, and now we just grown together. Um, and so uh, she's a she's a teacher down the streets. Uh, and so we we live, breathe, uh, serving the community and education. And as far as myself, I, I'm just continuously evolving, searching for more, wanting more. And, and again, um, seeing my parents do and become live their lives uh, out, um, now retired, has sort of really set the precedence for, for wanting to be more, do more. Um, and so as far as, uh, you know, what I love to do and, and, and you know, what is my passion uh, for a long time, it's always been about serving others, serving the community, providing. Uh, you know, I remember growing up, I was, I was part of, you know, different uh, hip hop groups, you know, try to create my own album and, and have, uh, you know, different uh, break dancing and, and rapping experiences and having a crew and, and, and being at the head of crews and, and throwing different functions for others and providing for others. Um, as uh, in, in college, you know, I became a support staff member uh, inside of different communities out in the city, uh, predominantly West Englewood, West Lawn community, uh, really serving and living out that passion. And, and that's why teaching and being a principal really resonated with me. Uh, serving others, growing forward, providing is really self-fulfilling for me. It, it really lives out my passion and mission and I love to see my efforts impacting others' lives for the better. And so that has always uh, been the sort of crux of what makes me fulfilled and happy. And now joining that with having my own son in my school, um, having my wife down the street uh, serve the same community, but in her building, you know, that's just uh, joining um, my family and personal with my professional life fulfillment and so uh, kind of see the kind of seeing the thread there just yeah, that's i think it's awesome i think the uh anybody i i'm convinced anybody who's known you at least the time i've known you for a decade would say you are a natural fit for education and whether it's teaching or leading the school or being within a district world or outside but working with kids or working with teachers or educators um you're just a natural fit i'm curious uh, given your background, did you always know that you were going to be an educator? Did you always know that you were going to go into teaching? Uh, and if not, how did you get into teaching? 
Yeah, no, not at all. You know, I would, you would, you know, 25 years ago, I would have had uh, my world tour by now. <laughs> uh, I would have been in fashion or marketing or, or something of my, you know, 25 years ago self. That was my passion. Uh, I actually, uh, you know, went into uh, supporting my brother in real estate and, and, and really, really liked the, the personal people connection. And, and therein lies, I think, the crux of all this as well. Connecting with people is something I'm passionate about, uh, relating and, and serving others. Uh, but what usually happens is life plays itself out. And these sort of lived experiences present themselves. And so, uh, you know, I, I graduated from from college with just a sort of liberal arts sort of just general degree and began working and serving inside uh, Chicago Public Schools as a support staff member. And it was actually uh, on one of my uh, vacation times. It was a year round school, so school was in session, but I was on vacation and I lived a block away uh, from the school. Uh, when, uh, you know, one of these events really impacted and changed my lives, there was a, there was a living in, uh, you know, the West Inglewood, Chicago Long community. Uh, you know, there, there tends to be a lot of violence in the community. Uh, there's a lot of beautiful things, but one of the, one of the aspects is uh, some of the violence that occurs. And, and there was a tragic event where a student, uh, a former student of the school that I served uh, was shot and killed on my lawn. And I was first on the scene alongside my wife. And I could remember vividly, uh, you know, standing at the end of the block, preventing children from seeing what had occurred. And I remember this little guy's face. And that coincided with a lot of my, you know, ongoing learning, uh, pursuit of just, you know, evolving as a person. And I was just really, really, looking to serve my community better, even as a support staff member. And so when that was presented, the very next day, I sat with a group of young students from the school and said, what do you love about your community? What do you, uh, who are the people and the places that make you the happiest being in your community? What challenges and what things would, what changes would you like to see in your community and how would you like to bring about those changes? And of course, the sort of the, the catalyst of that was the event that had taken place the, the, the days before and just listening to, to the young people really share themselves, given the opportunity to really communicate their lived experiences, their voice, um, and, and really seeing them on fire to be the change. Uh, really created this this fervor to want more and teach and engage young people that really hadn't been there. Uh, and, and the passion to do that really hadn't been there in other uh, places and in, in aspects of my life as well. And so it was it was it was working with young people, this lived experience as the catalyst um, that brought about a change in me and helped me um, you know, see and live out the voice that they presented on that day. Uh, and, and, and the impact was real. Uh, within that group, I, I now have uh, a, a young lady named Paola who, uh, who now works with me here at, at my school, Darwin. Uh, and she's a special education classroom assistant. 
and I knew her as a young person and now she's a, a young adult. And, and again, these lived experiences, uh, the opportunity to hear voice um, really impact me as much as I try to serve others. And so that passion to become uh, and pursue education, be a teacher, um, and which, you know, led to my administration roles um, was really ignited by this, by the youth uh, that I served, the young people and their voice. And they're wanting to change and bring, uh, be change agents in their community. So sorry to cut you off. Let, let's go there for a second, because um, as you know, my, my role outside of doing this podcast offers me the opportunity to travel to uh, lots of states and um, across the U.S. and see a lot of classrooms. And I would put my experience, my first experience eight or nine years ago in your classroom up against any. And the the power that I remember, right? You always say like people may forget all the things you said and did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. I went in there and just like people who are listening right now can feel your sincerity, heart and passion for serving. Um you were able to create a community of kids who had a vision that was greater than themselves. They were, I think they were fifth graders. Am I right? Is that correct? Okay. Yeah. They were fifth graders, I believe at the time that were talking about things in their community that were bigger. It took me 20 years to start considering, and they were like debating solutions for those things. How were you able to create that type of community in a classroom? Because I feel like that's what all educators are striving to do. Yeah. Uh, so, well, thank you for that. And, and I would say a number of things, but, but two poignant things, um, you have the pedagogy of care. There has to be a, an unprecedented amount of love and support balanced out with an unprecedented amount of expectations and excellence. Those have to those have to be in balance with one another at a very high level, and so when when you when I mentioned my lived experiences as a support staff member prior to becoming uh, a teacher, so that was my transition into the teaching role. You know, it may seem hyperbolic, but in my mind, uh, when I started teaching, I felt that for many of the children that I served. Uh, that if I did not instill the skill set and the tools for them to be analytical, critical, to be able to voice themselves, then many would not have the opportunity uh, to be the leaders that I know we all possess within us. And so there it is. Understanding that uh, that the need is high, but the potential is, is great. There has to be a balance of love and care. Um, often, often repeated in my classroom as a teacher, you would hear, I want you to be a leader. I want you to be the best. You could do it. Uh, you know, don't let this bother you. Don't let this, you know, impede on, on, on what you could do. Uh, coupled with a, a lot of, you know, what could be deemed chucking and jiving when, when the, when the work was done, a lot of partying, pizza parties and, and, uh, work, you know, uh, experiences outside of the classroom weekends and, you know, playing music, listening to music, singing, uh, and, and also, you know, when you walk in the room, a lot of, uh, a lot of 
conversation and, you know, critical thought into their writing about what may be deemed as, you know, inappropriate topics for their age group. But yet they're lived in it, they're immersed in, in these experiences and we don't talk about it. We, we ignore it. Um, and we assume that they're too juvenile uh, f in the classroom to be talking about these things, but then they go home and they live these experiences and don't have an outlet for it. And so um, that sort of dynamic is 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 what really became the sort of the the approach again the the pedagogy of care and love. Well, so that that's powerful because I, I feel like that that screamed out from your students, right? So when I talked about the observation. I'm not talking about anything about you. And I think you're an amazing man and leader and person, but it was all about like whatever you created allowed kids to bubble up and believe and mature and communicate. And so I, I think one of the challenges I would have going from a classroom to a, a school leader where you're at is the pressures of we've got to have academic growth. We've got to have improved performance and so you're in these meetings that say, you know, our expectations that are really heavy. And let's say you walk into your old classroom where it's one of the days where it's designed in your pedagogy to be like, we're listening to music today. We're having different types of conversations. We're eating pizza. How do you balance those in your role now to allow your team to have the freedom to build relationships while also getting the results that you know kids need to be successful in the world. The foundation of any growth um, and excellence is, is really built upon love and trust. And so uh, within the classroom, you know, the, the voice of our students, of my students needed to be heard and it needed to be reflected in their work. And so as an administrator, you know, the, the, the approach has been the same. With our parents, uh, there have I really tried to open up parent meetings. Uh, we call them cafecitos, you know, coffee talks with the principals. Uh, during the pandemic, there was, uh, there was really an unprecedented amount of, of virtual town halls that, that we did. We went on the blitz of like um, 40 town hall um, online meetings within 60 days. Uh, January and February of 2021 and, and opening up those opportunities, uh, really adhering to the distributive leadership model within our school, which, uh, which for me really seeks to identify, tap, uh, set up support for our support staff and teachers. Uh, to be uh, to be in committees, to be in leadership roles. So when I was a support staff member who did parking lot duty, cafeteria duty, and and understood that I had my thoughts and opinions, and and saw myself relating with children, I now understand that there are support staff members in our building that have lived experiences and leadership potential to be tapped. And so support staff members are here. My, our lead custodian and, and, and all of our support staff members, our, our lunchroom manager uh, has her um, grandchildren here. And so you see that throughout the building. Uh, and it, again, it, it, it comes from my, my perspective and lived experience. 
So opening up voice uh, to not just parents, support staff members, but of course our, our teachers um, and allowing their voice in the say. Our school improvement plan is, is really facilitated. I really facilitate the questioning around it, but our teachers and staff really, really create our school improvement plan. And my mantra is if I ask something of you, I, I then have to create a system for support. And so again, opening up channels and listening with great intent and, uh, and, and integrity is, is one way that I've been able to approach it. And I'm just gonna say this, uh, I am a native son of the community I work for. Yep. I grew up, I grew up around the block. My son is literally, uh, what, what, what divides me and my son right now from where I speak are two walls, um, and, and two doors. And when you have your heart in the school, which is in my case, my son, uh, that is a different perspective. I, I, I don't easily disregard things or make hastily decisions um, because my son's here. And I was, I was sort of presented with um, this thought some years ago in talking to my wife. And she mentioned to me, Danny, you sacrifice and have sacrificed for the well-being of other people's children. And I know you're in this administrative role now, um, but your son needs you. Mm. And for those um, who aren't my my son is on the spectrum. My son uh, has gone through a, n a number of challenges in his life uh, that has really, really changed my perspective on 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 a number of things. But when my wife sort of presented that thought to me, uh, the, this idea that I need to be there for my son even more so now, despite the abundant challenges in my role, that for me was was a, was a direct sort of call uh, to to be more, do more, um, and to evolve within myself, uh, not just as a father and. Uh, but also as a principal. And for me, those things are, are very symbiotic right now. So you and I have had this talk. I, I, your wife sounds so wise. And we've talked about her wisdom. You know, uh, I think that this one child you're talking about is the same one when you were a teacher. You were going back and forth to the hospital and teaching and going through just some real challenges. Um, I, I often think about um, you know, when I think about education, I think about my wife and education, I think about my friends who, uh, the best educators get so passionate about serving the kids that they get in the community they have in front of them. But oftentimes, just like your wife says, you can get lost in the work and accidentally, not purposely forget about your most precious family next to you. How do you create as a leader, um, a culture for you and your staff? so that they can be invested in the community, love, serve with open hearts, but never forget the most important relationships they have in their life, which are their personal ones that are often, not in your case, obviously it's inside your school, but often outside the school. Yeah, we, as, as a school community, we are a values and mission driven community. As an individual, 
I am a value and mission driven individual. And so it really starts and is based on one defining their mission, a group defining their collective values. And so you see our individual mission statements posted outside of our main office for all of our staff members here. You see our collective mission, which is to grow leaders, uh, you know, posted prominently outside of our main office. And we all understand our paradigms, which we, which we live around and we balance ourselves and we, we, we often recalibrate around. Uh, as an individual, alongside in front of my students, uh, who you mentioned uh, when I was a teacher, uh, I created my personal mission statement with them uh, as a you know gradual release model. Like I do, we do, now you do, and so I presented and and, and sort of thought out loud my mission statement that continues to be my personal mission, and and. The gist of it is to is to uh, is to serve my family, my children, um, my wife, um, my parents, and serve uh, my students and their parents and our school community. And so, when 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 it becomes very clear and succinct as to what the mission is, then we rally around each other and we set goals that we move forward with together. And, and it's undeniable when we have a collective group of values uh, to, to, to really butt up against. You know, to say that we do not see the potential in all of our kids, like who's gonna argue with that? Who's going to argue with serving and doing and providing more? Um, and so we often run around endlessly, tirelessly going home defeated without a set purpose or mission. And so it is, it is extremely important for, uh, for those who I work alongside of to really define oneself as personal mission and, and to really be attuned to what our collective mission is. So when my wife presented me with the thought of needing to be balanced in not only serving my school community, but my children at home. What she did was she checked me on my personal mission statement and she knew it. And so you can't, I can't argue with that. I'm going to have her uh, join the podcast next time and I'm going to talk to her and just have you as a little bubble in your facial reactions on the side because yeah. it sounds like a, a great relationship. <laughs> like pop-up wife video, like, like yeah, <laughs> ever jump in. So uh, again, we've known each other for about a decade. And when we met, I believe your school community was kind of, I, I don't remember what the rating system is, Danny, but like our Delos, I love to call you that. We need to dive into that before we get out of here. But like, uh, I, I feel like whatever the rating system was, you had great people there, a great community, but the rating system said your school was, a D or something, right? And you guys poured in, worked hard, had some super talented, passionate people there that built your community up. That was always great, but you're able to show what excellence was over time. 
where you guys became, you know, a top rated school. Can you just tell me a little bit about that climb? And then I want to dive into the leadership transition. So just tell me about the climb first. Yeah, we, we were, we were, we were all tired of the suspension rate, the, the low academic, uh, out, outcomes and, and, and lack of opportunity. We were providing our, our community, our students. And, and honestly, it just, it really started with that. Like we knew, we knew we could do more and be more as a community. And it just really started with the folks who had been here for some time and, and really became the catalyst to say, like this, this needs to stop and, and we need to become more. And, and that coincided with our, our journey into leader and me that really took the approach to, to look at an individual, to look at a school community approach as a more comprehensive, personal, uh, intro, uh, interpersonal journey. That is where the journey begins with oneself and then developing um, a community that has a set core values to it. And so you, you, you asked earlier, you know, how does one balance now being an administrator with the academic sort of expectations? Well, what happens is when one focuses on oneself and oneself journey and growing and developing and then becoming a community, then you, then you start to create a very strong community that that really synergizes and works together. The byproduct is high academic achievement because to, to, really, to really serve a community, one has to love and one has to present and provide the tools to grow academically as well. So to that point, as a teacher, um, Yes, we had a great time. We, we synergized. The culture was, was strong. The byproduct was the highest academic uh, reading levels three years in a row within our network of 30 plus schools. And I think you guys became like one of the top 10%. I, I, I'm going to be terrible with the numbers here, right? Out of 600 something schools, or maybe it's less or more. Uh, you guys went to like the top 10%. You went from like the bottom 10% to the top 10% over three to five year period. Is that correct? The growth, uh, the growth was, the, the growth was significant. And again, when we, when we really focused on building a strong community, coalescing around values and creating a very poignant mission to move forward with, the byproduct was uh, not just a stronger community, but high academic uh, achievement levels. Yeah, that's awesome. I so one of the, the things I don't think I've ever asked you is obviously uh, Mauricio Segovia was the principal at the time when we met, and uh, I I adore that man. I think uh, he is one of the hardest workers I've ever met. But I think we would both agree that his personality and my personality are different. And his personality and your personality are different, which means our sure. leadership styles would be different. And so I have wondered, so you know, he was the principal during a lot of that climb, and then he, he transitioned out to a, a different role within the district. And you come in, which is awesome, uh, especially for the, the sake of the, the community and continuity and all that. But I have to imagine 
stepping into his shoes, not because uh, of like, you can't live up to him, but because it's been a certain style of leadership for so many years and your style is not that. Can you tell me how you juggled that transition and how you found your footing so that your, your culture is natural to your style and it's not, you know, just repeating the same culture that went with Dr. and Mr. Scovia? Yeah. And so, uh, so your point, uh, we, 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 he and I uh, may have differed in, in personality, uh, but we strongly aligned in our values. <laughs> I would agree. And, and, and so we carried together and he saw in me the passion to serve, uh, the, the work ethic and desire to make and bring about change. And I saw that in him and I saw his love and passion uh, for for the community that he served on two different schools because we worked on two different we worked in two different schools on two different sides of town. But the mission was the same. Which was to serve and grow leaders uh, in the communities that we worked for. And so when again personalities can differ, which is which is the case in 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 every workplace and organization. Uh, but when the values are the same, there is synergy and an opportunity to synergize with one another. And there's an opportunity to do great things. And so with that, uh, the transition was different. I'm, you know, we, we, we differ in age and generation, um, in culture. Uh, you know, he's, he's from a different country and, 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 and so regardless, the, the values remained in place here at Darwin. The, uh, you know, there were different approaches that were taken, um, but the values and the goals and the mission remained. And so the, the, what he saw in me as a support staff member and what he cultivated into becoming his predecessor, the next administrator, um, still is, is what played out, which is, uh, I, and, and I, and I'm owning it now. It, you know, I feel, though, I, well, well, I feel, I feel as if like, you know, it, there were, there were some growing pains, yes. um, but having gone through this pandemic, having gone through three work stoppages in 27 months here in the CPS, um, I'm going to, you know, I, I feel like you need to be bold. You need to understand who you are and really, and really grab it to move forward in, in, in this challenging environment, because challenges are abundant in, in public schools now. And, and, and I, I am extremely, extremely uh, proud of, of what we did together. And there is a strong sense of obligation that I carry within to live that out and not, uh, and not, and not let let down the community that we serve. I don't, I don't know if I ever told you this, but when I when I first met um, Mr. Scovia, I, you know, I, he and I bonded really quickly. Um, and again, your point, I think it's because of how I appreciate your clear articulation today of mission and values. Is that like while we had different personalities, we were both crystal clear what we were about, just like you are, and. I remember the first time, like, I went to visit everybody, I talked to you, and I, I visited all your teachers, came back, and I was like, so tell me about, you know, each, I asked about a few of the teachers, and 
you know, even though I knew from that moment, you, his style, I could tell was a lot different, felt different than what your style would be as a teacher. He, his belief in you was off the charts. His excitement when he talked about how you poured into your kids and what you went after was off the charts. And so one of the things that I, I would wonder is that like, he, I love that he, he always saw your potential and I hope that you see it because um, I know myself, I think stepping into a mentor's shoes, it would probably take me three or four years, maybe to like get the confidence to really just put my stamp on it because I was trying to honor him. I didn't want to mess things up and all the things, but I feel like you should know from day one in my relationship with Mauricio that his he glue, he, there was a glow about him when he talked about you. And it was about you being you, not you being some version of what he wanted you to be. And so I just think that's always been cool. And I, I hope you feel that and use that as you continue to lead within your school community. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And and that, that love and acceptance that he provided me is is something that I need to continue to ground myself as, 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 as I continue to to lead and work with others in my community. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit. I mean, again, when I did the intro and I mentioned Chicago public schools, anybody who reads a newspaper is aware that, um, you know, it's been partly COVID. Obviously, it's a big part of it. But, you know, teacher strikes has been something that has been uh, something you guys have kind of lived with. Uh, what have been the keys to keeping your staff together or trying to keep it together? I'm sure it doesn't feel perfect. And, you know, I don't want to put you in an awkward situation when I ask this question, but like, what are the key components of trying to lead through that kind of uh, instability of sorts um, right now? It, It really seeking to understand what our teachers are advocating for providing the sort of context under which we currently are working and serving under together and really seeking out solutions that are going to uh, help us move forward has been the approach. And so coupling that with, uh, you know, really presenting folks with the decisions that they have to make. And so the discussions have often been, I hear what your concerns are. This is what I am. This is what we are working on together. And at the end of the day, you need to make the best decision for you and your family as you see fit. And and when addressing the teachers at large, uh, you all need to determine as, as the teachers as a labor organization, what you see as the best pathway moving forward. And, and it's, it's been challenging. It's been difficult uh, because, you know, building momentum, building, building cultures is really, is really uh, built on the momentum gained from, from piecing together and building together one piece at a time. And when that momentum is lost, um, it's hard to recapture at times. And, and so that is what I would say has been one of the most challenging parts of the ongoing, you know, labor, you know, negotiations and stoppages uh, here in CPS. As a leader, it's been extremely challenging. You, 
building and sustaining momentum as a collective. And so continuously seeking out um, and learning and listening what it is that our teachers are concerned about. Really assuring our staff um, that they're being heard and that we're, we're going to move forward being solutions oriented has been, has been the pathway moving forward. Uh, but nonetheless, it's, it's been extremely challenging. It's been extremely challenging. And uh, I really, I really hope that both sides continue to seek each other out um, and, and, and really take that same win-win approach. So when, when they will, because I, I know that they will, and especially within your school, because I know how you love and serve people. And so I'm confident that you'll figure it out within your community, if nothing else. What's the vision you have for Darwin a year from now or two or three or five years from now? What, what is it that when you think about the vision that you're working towards? Because again, you guys have fought really hard to build this great culture of excellence and community and family. What, what's the next step for you guys? I would say that the vision for Darwin is, is to have, is to impact our community and surrounding neighboring schools and helping and growing and serving uh, their leadership development as well. And so what that means is having our children out in the community more, um, engaged with local organizations like churches and businesses um, and non-for-profits and working and collaborating with them. And that's taking place. Um, having, having our teachers, um, as, as they've been expressing, um, work with aspects outside of the academics within the community. Uh, and, and it's been touched upon within the last sort of labor negotiations and, and concerns that have been brought up, serving communal needs uh, such as health and housing um, needs within the community uh, beyond just the educational needs of our community. And to that same aspect, uh, lending and supporting, mentoring and collaborating with other schools on their leadership development approach. And so uh, boiling, what that may boil down to is, is building leadership capacity and sharing our leader and me and listening and growing with other schools. And so uh, what, what, what you see sort of, what I would say is the vision is a, is a sort of emanating pulse, right? That, that sort of pulses out to share with our community but but sort of gradually pulses back in and takes in what we've learned from the community, what we've learned from other schools to recalibrate our efforts in better serving the community. That's so powerful to me because I remember our first year of getting to know each other. You guys went to visit school after school in different areas and uh, you guys were just sponges, right? And so I feel like uh, I, that has always been a part of the Darwin DNA, it feels. And so it's also refreshing to know that you guys may have a vision to see how you can give. And then as you're giving, continue to use that key DNA you have to receive and get better for yourselves. To that point, Dustin, I have uh, three, uh, I have three um, of my department heads and my assistant principal 
uh, who were um, who were all who all had leadership roles at different schools. Um, I have two former principals on my leadership team, um, and and who who have who have a lot of experiences uh, from the communities that they served, who really pour into me uh, different perspectives that they've gained in order to better serve our community here, and and. I've learned lessons in particularly like strong voices and listening to strong voices in the group uh, to really help me develop. And so we talked about, um, you know, how does one transition into a role uh, that had a very strong, you know, predecessor uh, leading figure in? Well, you bring strong leading figures around you and you listen and you open up to their ideas. And uh, and for me, it's been it's been a very ongoing, humbling experience to to just continuously uh, listen and open up and 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 understand that I <laughs> I have a lot to learn as much as I have to, uh, to give. Well, that's refreshing because I feel like there are some leaders who want who are intimidated to have really talented people around them, uh, and so it's refreshing to hear that it seems at least on this podcast we have found folks that the the strongest leaders are constantly looking for a plus people to be around them so they can learn and grow together so they're they're you know evolving much more quickly so all right last four questions they're all kind of rapid fire so feel free to dive as deep as you feel like you need to but it's our last segment uh our first question is what habits or disciplines do you use on a either daily or weekly basis that you think help set you up to be the most successful version of yourself uh, personal renewal, uh, making sure that I'm eating, sleeping on a continuously on a continuous basis. Uh, I I recently lost uh, 45 pounds, uh, and in since July to now, because uh, I I at first uh, stopped eating meat for a couple years, and now uh, just kind of ventured into veganism, and I'm Mexican. So like a Mexican descent. So when like you say Christmas, there's like frijoles, tortillas, you know, there's different meats and cheeses and sauces. Like, like someone asked me, like, how do you do it? You're Mexican. I said, you know what? Like, I'm just, I'm just finding new ways. Right. And so, and that's very much still a staple uh, when I go visit my mom. But again, personal renewal, uh, you know, wanting more, wanting to be more and having to do more. Uh, one has to be uh, better to themselves. And so that's the personal physical renewal. Beginning with the end in mind also helps. Uh, I, I, I send out a weekly bulletin to my community. I send out a weekly staff bulletin to my community. So uh, essentially what I have to do is, is on a weekly basis, communicate to our parent community what's forthcoming uh, for the next two weeks. I have to, on a weekly basis, communicate to our staff uh, what the goals are for the next week. And so beginning with the end in mind, planning the week ahead are, are very important. And then uh, again, just balancing myself and my mission, a deep rooted commitment to, to the people I serve is very important. Awesome. There's that favorite bell to announce that recess <laughs> will be held in, indoors. It will be indoor recess. And we're following week B. 
It's the wind. The wind chill is negative ten over here in Chicago today. So uh, inclement weather, indoor recess, y'all. Lauren, do not cut that. That is so real, right there. And I'm like, when, they, when Chicago goes uh, indoor recess, you know it's cold. <laughs> well, the fact we're in school, it's negative ten wind chill. We're still plugging along. Like that. That speaks a lot of the the oh. Chicago mindset. It's negative ten wind chill. Just like. Uh, put your jacket on and we'll see you soon. So you there it is. Play. All right. So next question. Uh, what books uh, either like, you know, through your formative years that have just been transformative to you or recently, and it could be books or podcasts, however you consume information that have yeah. really helped uh, grow your leadership or your thinking in life? Yeah, I, I would say foundational pieces uh, have been um, Khalil Gibran's The Prophet um, Paulo Freire's pedagogy, books on pedagogy um, have always been very foundational for me, uh, really serving and listening. Uh, and then uh, recently, uh, I was gifted The Boy, The Mole, The Fox um, by Charlie Maxey. And it's, it's just, it, it, really, it really is a renewal into sort of recalibrating how to serve. Uh, and that was just a recent Christmas uh, gift um, that I received. And so check that out. It's a, it's a, it's a very light suit, you know, sort of read, uh, yeah. but very, very poignant into it's a hit in one's personal mission. Awesome. Um, all right. Uh, you talked about, uh, music with your students. So I'm curious, uh, when you're commuting to or from work, or I guess we you have your son in the car with you or, you know, riding with you or whatever, uh, I, or while you're working out, what what's on your playlist? What are the, the what's the music or the artists or the songs you have right now? Yeah. So uh, on 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 the ride home, I really connect, uh, and even with my son, we listen to uh, some appropriate reggaeton, you know, which is a, a mix of like uh, you know reggae, hip hop uh, in the in the Latino community. So we uh, you know a lot of Ozuna. And then we mix it up with some dance, DJ Soul Tricks, uh, Bachata Mix, uh, really trying to get my son into that. He's uh, not a good dancer, but he loves singing. And then when, uh, you know, when, when the wife and I are just hanging out, uh, we listen to a lot of just uh, chill beats, so-fi and all these things that, that really kind of just get us into the, the mood to be chill. Um, and so it, it really is, uh, uh, an eclectic group of like musicians and music that we that we try to listen to. Oh, I figured. Just, I mean, for me, I always think about my mood. So if I'm trying to wind down, I've got playlists for that. If I'm trying to get pumped up, I've got playlists for that. So I assume you were probably similar given your emotions. Okay. So uh, I think reggaeton. Uh, I came across <laughs> that genre. I'm sure I just slaughtered the name of it too, but uh, I I came across that genre during. Uh, our quarantine when trolls world tour like trolls two movie came out and my my sons that became their favorite trolls that they have and so i don't know if we know all the artists but uh they love it so if they, you they heard you say that they'd probably be freaking out right now naming like three or four artists that they know and to that point podcast world if uh you haven't checked out sing two uh that is uh a, a, a legit uh replay and you know, watch two, three times, you know, over a weekend with the kids because it has a little bit of something for everyone. Seeing too, we've been uh, we've been fans of that of late. 
That is awesome. My mother-in-law, so my wife and I just uh, took a belated uh, 10-year wedding anniversary uh, trip. And so my in-laws were gracious <laughs> enough to watch all three of our boys and they took them to sing too. And I've heard nothing but amazing things from my kids and they're waiting for us to go with them again soon. So I, I appreciate you endorsing that. All right, last question. Um, what is the best leadership advice that you've received lately, you've seen lately, but it's been on your heart lately. It doesn't have to be brand new. It's just something that uh, you just have really deep in your heart right now as you're pondering. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man of faith in it. And I have and will always, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That is my circle of control, my, my circle of influence that has always, always proven itself. Um, and so when the world is on fire or when the world is is your oyster. Always keep in mind uh, to stay balanced within your circle of control and understanding that your circle of influence will be impacted and grown because of it. That's awesome. Well, Danny, actually, I'm going to, aka, I'm going to start calling you the artist formerly known as Danny. I'm calling you <laughs> Delos. The fact that Daniel Delos Rejas has been called Delos now, I am going all in on Delos. Um, I think it's awesome. Um, you're an incredible man, sir. Uh, and I say that uh, because I know first and foremost, you lead with humility and love and service and putting others in front of you. And so I think you need to hear that uh, it's just that that demeanor oozes out of you. So I want you to continue to always be that because that gives you strength that has other people around you be inspired to do better. You've inspired me since the first day we met. And it's just an honor to have you, you know, our, our lives kind of come full circle like this so quickly so we can talk and share, you know, your story with others. Thank you, Dustin. Uh, I appreciate it, sir. Yeah, and uh, just leaving you with some, uh, some, some, some good tunes and vibes for you to take with, all right? All right, I appreciate it. I hope the intercon's on right now, because uh, and then make sure, uh, Lauren, let's make sure we clip this video of him dancing uh, so we can get some uh, opinions on does he have moves or not? Danny, this was awesome, man. Have a blessed day. Appreciate you so much. Thank y'all. Thanks, man. Please support us by subscribing to our YouTube channel, uh, podcast on Apple or Spotify, and help us celebrate the beautiful, messy work of shaping human potential.